Hello everyone and welcome to the La Rouge Rugby Podcast, the podcast focusing on real Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. And Derek, we've had the return of international rugby to our screens. What did you make of this weekend? Well, apparently the Northern Hemisphere is garbage. Just terrible. Is that- I, don't know. I don't know. If I had to localize it, I'd say to Europe specifically. Because <laughs> there's definitely one country in the Northern Hemisphere that did all right this weekend. But I mean, there were some games from these strange places, apparently called like South Africa, South Africa. and and New Zealand. You South know. Africa South Africa is technically part of Europe now based on the rugby globe though. So are they northern, Actually, South no, Africa, no, northern? No, they, they become part of Europe from September. That's how oh, it was. September on, yeah. So I saw but, uh, the like rugby union Reddit had that guy that drew a map of the equator based on what we think, why we always talk about like North and Southern hemisphere. And it's yeah. like, basically looks like a heartbeat or something. Yeah. Um, so that was wild. Um, yeah. So obviously a, a, a lot of uh, very entertaining games, lots of interesting outcomes. I feel like um, all my Welsh friends are sad. Do you uh, count yourself among them right now? Uh, I'm, disappointed but not surprised because as you know i am welsh Welsh. yeah it's a welsh way i went into this game thinking we are going to lose this and shock of shocks they lost it last year i i've been here before i'm I'm not getting burnt again i'm i'm just waiting for the disappointment to come as all Welsh people should expect. Yeah, that's just that's just I think that's just the nature of your culture at this point. Uh, it was also Canada Day this past weekend. Did you get up to any fun Canada Day festivities? Uh, I got to spend the day with friends in Trillium Park in oh, that's nice. Toronto. So that was really nice, and managed to listen to some of the Backstreet Boys concert that was going on at the Budweiser oh, stage. The Budweiser, yeah, just walking on the outside mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, just uh, able to catch like some songs and then just listening to be like, hang on, do I know this song or is this a new song that they're using to promote their latest album that I don't care about? Hold on, the Backstreet Boys have a new album? I I don't know, but apparently they're doing this tour. There's no way they're still making stuff, are they? I don't know. I I, I didn't go to the concert. I said I just heard stuff from the concert. Fair enough, fair enough. Anyway. Um, what about you? What did you get up to, Derek? Ah, we didn't really do much, especially not much in line of like traditional Canada Day celebration things. Honestly, it's like I feel like after the move, we just kind of took the day to go chill. Um, pretty much just an extra day of a little bit of relaxation, which was nice. Um, went to a went to a movie though. Ended up seeing um everything everywhere all at once. Ooh, that is a good film, dude. It's amazing. Yeah, we actually saw, we saw it in theaters because it's apparently still in like two theaters in Toronto. So we uh, decided to venture out to uh, go see see that while it was still in theaters. Even though I totally know it's on Netflix, I think it's on Netflix for right now. Um, either way, I totally recommend watching it. It is an absolutely wild, like multiverse travel movie, and probably did the probably did like the multiverse thing a lot better than like. 
Doctor Strange or something did. I felt mm-hmm. like with two big multiverse movies kind of coming out around the same time, I feel like every everything everywhere all at once seemed to kind of kind of nail it. Had everything, man. It had some some fun jokes, some killer action scenes. It, it also had everywhere. Yeah, all exactly. at once. It had all at the same it had, time. Yeah. It was everywhere. It had everything in it. It was thrown at you all at once. One of the most I will let's go with um I guess you've seen the movie based on the way you responded to that. Um, so I guess one of the most, um, let's call it creative fight scenes um, in mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but, so, uh, um, so I, I would we won't spoil it for our uh, fans in a no, but so. highly recommend everybody go. Definitely, it was amazing. Absolutely, and something I would highly recommend watching and watching again is the Canada versus Belgium match that took place this Saturday in Halifax. Now. Uh, Canada had played Belgium before, but this is the first time Belgium actually has come to Canada. It's actually Belgium's first um, trip abroad outside of a tournament since 2013. So that's like nine years of them only going overseas for like tournament or um, tournament-based competitions. Yeah, well, according to America's Rugby News, it's uh, the case as well. That's a very reliable source, but I did not know that. I know. Oh, that's, that's kind of that's crazy. I should have uh, read that article, I guess. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you were able, you and by you I mean the people listening. Of course, I know Derek, you were watching the game as well. But uh, for those that were unable to, for whatever reason, you know, the hangover after Canada Day hit a bit too hard. Uh, so here's a brief uh, synopsis of what went down. So starting off with. Um, game kicking off and then the first scoring opportunity happened within the first six minutes uh as scrum half jason higgins uh spotted an opening on the blind side went over scored a try as he's done you know multiple times for san diego this season followed up by peter nelson hitting the first of his conversions the day and then a few about 10 minutes later uh, Canada were able to get a penalty, which Nelson was also able to slice. However, this also showed the negatives of what has been going on. I think like the first 20 minutes worked well for Canada, and then the second 20 minutes just uh, nothing seemed to string together. Yeah. So there was um, Cooper Coates had an amazing uh, run through the... Uh, Belgian defence up the pitch and got to, I'd say, about 20 metres out, was able to offload to Higgins, but no one else was there. And then um, any support that did come through, there's uh, like a chip ahead, but then that was knocked on. Um, uh, sorry, it was knocked on by Belgium. So, so the ball was knocked on by Belgium within the try zone, which resulted in a scrum five for Canada, but they were unable to capitalize off that. That was It was actually a turnover to Belgium at that point. And then lots of opportunities just didn't string together. So there were lots of instances where it was just like the one pass needed to um, off to a player to score a try that was knocked on or it was a forward pass. And so it got pretty stagnant in terms of scoring opportunities in the first half. And um, then came the only card of the game, 
which was Ben Lesage, who had been caught in a ruck. And as he was um, removing his um, foot, he then stamped it on the back of a Belgian player. And, you know, full credit to referees uh, Davidson and the TMO, Austin Reed, who um, called it back, uh, identified it and gave Ben Lesage yellow card. That was clearly the right thing to do because that was just very foolish thing. It did result in a penalty for Belgium, but they were unable to get the ball between the sticks. So that resulted in uh, Belgium being scoreless for the first half. And so going to halftime and it's 10-0. And, you know, it's, you know, they're doing okay, obviously, leading by more than a score, but clearly obvious that this could have been more. However, second half is when the floodgates truly open. And as soon as Rumble gets over for his try in the 47th minute, we then get tries flowing as soon as possible. So Lesage, after um, getting back onto the pitch after his yellow card, was able to make it up by scoring the try himself. And that was caused by uh, Ross Brody spotting a gap in the defence, running running through, offloading to Lesage to score the try. Wonderful to see. It was also um, a good day for Cooper Coates, who, you know... Um, plays uh, his um, club games for Halifax Tars and was basically a hometown hero, able to score just before the hour mark um, uh, to get the fourth try of the game. Um, by the way, Peter Nelson, 100% kicking record in this game, got all the conversions and that additional penalty. Um, then Michael Smith got over for his try and Canada's fifth in the 66th minute. And by this point, Nelson had come off. So Coates stepped up to the kicking duties and he was able to be fully accurate with this kick. And finally, Kainoa Lloyd was able to get uh, Canada's final try of the game in sixth overall in the 70th minute, again, with Coates getting that conversion. Um, to leave the final score of the game, Canada 45, Belgium nil. And the real winners of this game, I have to say, are probably uh, San Diego Legion, seeing as all <laughs> the Canadian players from their t- team that was uh, taking part all scored tries. So great investment, uh, San Diego, clearly paying dividends on the national team duty. Um, so, yeah, this was obviously something that Kingsley Jones had talked about, of playing teams where... The idea is Canada can get a victory. I don't want to say easy victory, but um, Canada is ranked above Belgium by, I think, like five places. So, And last time they played, Canada also um, won comfortably as well. So the idea of um, accumulating victories, getting that winning sensation going, this played well. 45-0, you know, nothing to stick your nose at, but probably could have been higher still. What do you think, Derek? Well, first of all, I think we have to revisit that uh, point that Kingsley Jones made about playing um, teams that are more, I guess, on Canada's level when we uh, conclude our discussion about this game and get on to uh, the next test match that got, or maybe not test match, I guess technically wouldn't be a test match that got announced that Canada's going to play in. And um, let's- oh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, yeah. but that, let's focus on the here and now. Yeah, exactly. We'll hold the game for a minute. Um, But... 
Yeah, I, I think um, the only thing I don't, I, I think I kind of this only thing I really think I disagreed with you on uh, your little wrap up there was I like I don't really think Lesage's yellow was that bad. I think he was just trying to get his foot out and then it kind of got caught and it is what it is. Um, it's definitely a yellow card, but uh, if you if you if it if you feel like you're intentionally stomping on somebody though, that's straight red. So it's like there is that. I don't really think that was a malicious ish play. Um, I'm just kind of you know yeah. yeah. To, to clarify, my end so. as in the yellow card was accurate. I don't think. Oh no, yeah, Ben, no. ben the charge thought, oh, a Belgian player's kidneys, yeah. and just yeah. went for it. Yeah, it's uh, it deserves it deserves a yellow. Um, but it is, you know, it is what it is. I thought Lesage played unreal for um for the rest of the game too. Um, obviously scoring a try, but also had some unreal hits on defense. Um, you know, kind of showing why he's pretty consistently one of, if not the best back on um in any Canada national team game. Um, I think yeah, the game itself kind of kind of strange, I guess. Um, there's things that I love that I saw what happened out on the pitch and there's things that I didn't like, like you kind of, as you kind of mentioned um, score like 45 to nothing. So obviously not much to complain about. First of all, defense was great. Um, I don't think did Belgium even get inside the 22, like genuinely. Can you I think, think one? I think they had maybe like one or two lineups in yeah. In Canada's 50, but not in the 22. Yeah, like I, I was like, I don't even remember. I mean, I know in the first half, they um they had some decent like flowing runs, um, but none of them were in an overly dangerous part of the field, right? And I think there, there was a couple of times too where it looked like a Belgian player was about to get sent through a gap um in the line, but then a Canadian player was usually able to slide over really quickly and cover that gap. Um, so, you know, maybe resulting in, you know, a small line break of like five of like five to 10 meters, as opposed to like a 30 to 40 meter line break or something. Um, so like the, the, the small breaks that kind of occurred ended up being covered. So it's like, I did like the, the defensive, uh, that defensive point of view of the game. And obviously, I mean, there's a bagel on the scoreboard at the end of it. Right. So, I mean, Hmm. it's tough to, what are you, what are you going to complain about um, from the defensive side of the game? Anyways, um, set piece was, was good, at least uh, a lot better than Belgium's. Um, as you kind of mentioned though, I think the, uh, the big glaring thing I think was in the first half was just, which is, I think the contributing factor to the idea of like what you just said, where it's like, it, it's 45, nothing, but it also felt like it could have been higher. Um, the first half, I think I tweeted out at the end of the first half that it's like Canada's clearly the better team in this game during the opening half, but it's also like they can't be happy with the amount of try scoring opportunities that they've just let go astray. Um, yeah. There was obviously, you know, as you mentioned too, there's a couple botched lineouts. Um, there was that one play that was Canada had the five meter scrum and what like, looks like they're they're winning the scrum like as in they like they're going forward right and it's like yeah. the ball's coming backwards but somehow the belgian flanker is the guy that ends up with the ball right yeah. and they turn it over um even if even though the scrum looked like it was going forward so i'm not sure how exactly the ball got loose and then the belgian player was able to to pounce on it first 
Um, so good awareness from from him, but it's you know, but it's like that was a disappointing moment of the game too. Um, and then obviously you mentioned like a couple other situations where it was just like I think Coates had Coates had a nice play, Nawadi had a nice run too. Um, mm. Where it was either like you know an extra pass or an ill-timed offload or just a straight up drop um, and, you know, handling error, basic handling error that ended up with the try would ended up seeing like a try scoring opportunity be turning into, you know, a knock on or a penalty or some sort of turnover um, back to Belgium. And even like the scrum, even with the scrum dominance and stuff too, it's like the arrows were off or arrows. Um, Canada was often able to, uh, to get it back. Um, but Ken was often able to just get the ball back, but it was also like this didn't, didn't make the opportunities capitalize in the opening half that I think they would have liked to. Um, the great thing about that criticism, however, is my goodness, did it work out well in the second half? Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, five of their six tries all came in the second half. And I think the thing that I really liked about watching the second half um a couple things i guess one one of the things that we talked about last week um where we were or when i was saying it's like you know the score line's not isn't really a concern to me no matter what it ends up being right as long as it's like you can see some things that are like you know signs of like progression signs of growth um signs of like you know positive things to come and uh you know just the idea of like try something new um so you had a couple plays here that I think kind of highlighted it. Um, was kind of tough to tell on the broadcast, but Jamie McKenzie doing a killer job of the color commentary, kind of pointing it out, even with the camera kind of zoomed in, um, perhaps a little too much. Um, but, you know, saying like off that scrum, um, off a scrum kind of in like the middle of the pitch, having Brock Webster come in, line up at fly half, had Nelson a little bit further back. Um, and then Brody able to, you know, kind of exploit a massive gap and then fit, um, a nice pass to Lesage to finish off the try. So it's kind of like a little bit of a different attacking formation, um, right, that led to a try from really quickly from like basically the middle of the field too. Um, so that was nice to see. They tried that play again later in the game too, um, right? Same thing. I think uh, Graydon Bowd was in the – was in the game at this point in time. So a little bit of different personnel. They tried that play again. I think that one ended in a knock on somewhere along the line though, in one of the passes. Um, same with like the line out play that ended up um, that they used on Rumball's try. Uh, um, right. They had enough, had some backs um, really cl- in the, you know, in the mix at the line out um, big, nice, big run from Nawadi. Um, right. And then Rumball kind of following that up, scoring that try. They did that again, similar play later in the game. Um, the Belgian forwards were a little bit more up to the task the second time. Um, so, uh, I'm not, I wouldn't have been Rumble at that point in the game. I probably Smith, I guess I would have got that next carry. Um, but uh, yeah. Belgium a little bit more up to the task this time, but then Brody just goes wide um, and Cooper Coates ends up scoring in the corner. Right. So it's a, you know, kind of good use of like, you know, trying out a couple different plays um, at the set piece at the platform. And also, you know, kind of showing some different options from them. Obviously on the Lesage try Brody 
chose the option to keep it because he saw a huge gap, right? Um, later yeah. in the game, it goes, you know, they pass it down the line a little bit more. Um, you know, even if that play, even if it didn't work out as well the, the next time, it's nice to see guys work in auctions. And then same with that uh, that little line out play too, right? It's like, okay, like if the if the next runner gets stopped, it's like we can go wide and we can exploit that and have those options there. Um, so like those were kind of the things um, that, you know, that it, it was nice to see. It was nice to also see, like, like you kind of said, Belgium is a team that Canada should beat. Um, whether they should beat them 45 to nothing, who knows, but like, that's a team that they should beat. And it's, uh, it's nice to see them show up and, uh, deliver a solid performance, um, you know, and, and get a win against, uh, you know, get a nice big win against a confidence building win, um, against a team that you, you should beat. Right. Um, so that, that's good. Uh, good, a lot to build upon from, from Spain, um, I would like to see uh, going into the game against Spain. I'd like to get your opinion on this too, um, or, or your opinion on anything else from the game that you would like to add before this as well. But um, I, I would, I think I would like to see a bit of a different lineup for Spain than the lineup in this game, but um, maybe we can get to that. If you've got any other thoughts uh, on, on the game and then maybe we can maybe talk a little lineup stuff for uh, next week. No, I think uh, you've hit on most of the same points I would have brought up. So, uh, lineup changes. So, I I think the lineup that much in this game, to be honest. Like, my issue with it, it's like, it's not, I, you know, I, I liked seeing some of like the new strategy stuff get implemented. But I think the thing that I kind of mentioned that I, I think I want to talk about was like, I'm just like, you know, we're Canada being a team that is supposed to be like, we're looking to the future now. Right. And and like we kind of talked about earlier, like with these games, you have nothing to lose. Right. Like if you drop a couple points in the world rankings, whatever. Right. But it's like, you have nothing to really lose in these games. Right. Um, And it's just like this lineup that was put forward. I'm just like, you know, it's as weird as it is, it's like it might be the best lineup as far as like if you want a quality lineup to win a game, it might. Yeah. Be, but I'm like, I just don't know. Like, is this the is it the right lineup given the circumstances that Rugby Canada is in right now? Because it's like you have a lot of like veteran guys basically, you know, in this lineup. Right. And. It was even like going back to that Kingsley Jones video last week where he was kind of mentioning, um, you know, how uh, these two games can be used to get some guys some test caps. And uh, right, which, you know, was an excuse that many on Twitter kind of calmly pointed out. Uh, It's not really an excuse for the loss against Chile because they had less test caps than you did anyways. Um, But he likes to bring up the number of test caps. He did it again in an interview with like Neil Davidson later this week, too. But it's like he wants to increase guys' caps. He wants to get new competition and stuff. And it's like, for one, in that video, he specifically singles out Jack McRogers. Yeah. Who didn't, wasn't in the lineup at all. Right. Um, you got like Sears Duru, Il Nicky, Larson Keys, Rumball. Um, you know what I mean? Nelson, Kainoa Lloyd. 
right? Like you have a lot of guys, there's a lot of like veteran or longtime national team members like in this lineup. And mm. like, I'm just kind of like, especially again, like I, I, I fly half, um, right? It's like, you know, like what, what would it hurt to start great and bowed at fly half against Spain or like even Brock Webster would that, you know, that's an option too, right? Like switch that around. Like, you know, yeah. is, is it, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, like I'm looking at this too and I'm like, man, would it, would it hurt to start Liam Murray? Right. Like, no, probably you know what I mean, like, it, it, like, would it hurt to start Liam Murray, start Jack McRogers? Um, you know what I mean? Like maybe, you know, maybe, maybe even take a guy like Cole Keith and maybe like, all right, let's try him at like loose head or t- and tight head. And like, uh, um, you know what I mean? Like, you know, see what your, your options are for him. Like you can start Roland maybe, um, for like, you know, uh, who else, like, who's kind of like missing from this lineup too? like, you know, uh, Donald Carson, like, do you, do you need to start, you know, keys Larson and then have, um, like, you know, Luke Campbell coming off the bench. Right. Or can you, can you do like switch at least one of those guys with like Carson for a little bit younger, um, as much as, as even like, even as smaller things too, like as much as I, I love him and I think he's probably the best forward on the team. It's like, do you need to start Lucas Rumball or do you want to like, can we, can we give like, uh, like Owaru or Kalen Botcher? Like, can we just give him a run? Right. Cause it's like, how, like, you know, like, um, like that's the thing. It's like, I, I just, I think like you can kind of go through the lineup too. Like, like, why can't Isaac Olsen start over Kainoa Lloyd just to see what you got in Isaac Olsen? You know what Kainoa Lloyd is. Yeah. Kainoa Lloyd's super fast and, like, he, he can run over people if they come to tackle him. Like, we know what Kainoa Lloyd is. Um, you know, can we, can we, let's find out what Isaac Olsen is. Yeah. Right. Cause, uh, and, uh, you know, same goes through, like, you can go through a lot of it. Like, I would even, it's like, you know, like Ben Lesage is going to be on the team. Like, can we start Dawson Fatorik? Yeah. Who actually looked really good in the time that he did play, right? Yeah, um, that's, yeah, he and, did. Like, I don't know. It's just like Kingsley Jones is saying that he wants to get some of the guys younger, like, you know, experience and stuff. And I'm like, well, you, you, at the end of the day, like, you control the lineup. So, I mean, if, if you want more younger guys getting game time, like, put, yeah, play them. Yeah, like I don't well, know. This. Yeah, I know. It feels like a wasted opportunity because yeah. obviously, um, coming up this Sunday will be a test against Spain, who are currently still ranked fifteenth. Yeah, in men's ranking, which is six spaces above but he, Canada. But even that, I still think like play, play. Like I mean, you don't have to go like don't play like the youngest player in every position, right? You yeah. can like spread it out, like mix in some veteran guys to help, obviously. Um, but like, yeah, like why not? Why not try some of the young? Like they're playing test rugby, right? It's like yeah. you want to prepare them for test rugby, and it's like, you know, Spain's the next opponent and stuff. Like why not? I like why not see what you got in some of the, some of the younger guys? Like I think you know, um, it'd be cool to see Jack McRogers get a start. And it's like just let's see how he goes. Yeah, right. Like it's like again, you have nothing to lose, right? Like it's, yeah, um. And yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of my thought on the lineup, I guess, is I think you could go 
I, I, th- I think the lineup could could use a little more sprinkling of um, the younger players and new caps and, you know, even maybe some older guys that haven't quite got the shot at the national team level yet um, yeah. sprinkled in. And I mean, you know, kind of sprinkled in throughout the lineup, right? Just to, and then, uh, you know, when, when the games slowly start to matter a little bit more, we can kind of get, gradually grow back into, um, which may be this lineup, which is probably if minus the, minus any of the European guys coming over to help, this is probably the best lineup. Uh, minus that and Andrew Cohen, I guess some of the plethora of injured players um, yeah. are on the list. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, well, well, we will have to wait and see what the lineup is for that game against Spain in Ottawa this Sunday. But speaking about future games, this announcement came through earlier this um, week, just gone that Canada will face the All Blacks 15, not the All Blacks, the All Blacks 15 on October the 29th at a venue that is to be confirmed. So this will be outside of the November test window, obviously, because it's in October, not November. <laughs> but this was announced through the um, New Zealand Rugby Union website of the All Blacks 15. However, the wording indicates that this will be a home game for Canada. So will this game take place in Vancouver, a BC place, or because Canada will be playing games in November in Europe for the benefit of the Canadian players, what is the likelihood that this game will be in BMO Field in Toronto? Um, I mean, because because not only because yes, it's the All Blacks fifteen, but it's still the All Blacks, yeah. and that branding is. Big. No, yeah, no, that branding's big. I think um, I would have to give me a second to actually double check this. Hold on. And obviously, from a geographical point of view, I'm sure um, the All Blacks 15 would much prefer to play on a time zone that is easier to adjust to their bodies, which would be um, yeah something more in Vancouver. But you know, if the hosts get to determine. Then again, they could just say, oh, you know what? We'll go to St. John's. Why not? We're the hosts. We can say where we want to go. So, but I don't see that happening. Yeah. Right. You know what? I mean, that'd be fun. Like, I mean, I know uh, I know there's been a um, like a lot of – it seems like every time Canon announces a test match, there's comments. So, like, why isn't it in Toronto? Um, selfishly, I'd love them to play in Toronto because, you know, that's where I'm from and that's easy for me to get to. I have no issue with the Canadian national team playing all over the country, though. I think it's a thing that the Canadian national team probably needs to do, in all honesty, to help kind of grow the brand. Like, I still don't think the men's national team, because there's that game against the French Barbarians that got canceled for COVID. Um, And it's like, I still don't think like the men's national team has played a game in Montreal, which is like the second biggest city in the country, right? Um, So it's like, I think there's, you know no matter where they play, it's like there's, there's reason to kind of go out and try to build that national team brand across the country. However, back to our original thesis here of uh, you were kind of saying that it's like, yeah, you know, it's not going to be, it's not the full powered all blacks, not going to be no. Odin Barrett, not going to be Richie Mwanga, Sam Whitelock, um, you know, coming over here, you know, it's not going to be those guys coming over, but the all blacks name, 
is a lot. It still means a lot. All Blacks 15. Um, for example, too, man, uh, I wanted to pull it up just to make sure I was right. Um, but the two highest attended rugby games in Canada that involve the Canadian national team, according to Wikipedia, anyways, uh, is according a, to what? According to Wikipedia. Now, how do you pronounce it? Wikipedia? How do you pronounce Wikipedia? Wikipedia. Wikipedia? I don't know. I think, well, you know what? We'll put up, put up a poll on Twitter to see who pronounces that properly. But I'm going to, I've been saying Wikipedia for my entire life. So I'm going to go with that. Um, anyways, the the two highest attending games. So we have one on uh, November 3rd, 20, November 3rd, 2017 at BC Place versus the Maori All Blacks. And uh, the second highest attending game is November 3rd, weirdly enough, um, 2013 at BMO Field against the Maori All Blacks. Um, right. Which is, is one of those things where it's like, even if it's not the best all blacks team and all the all blacks can put forward, um, the all blacks is a brand that can sell at BC place or BMO field. Right. Like it's just Belgium makes sense to play in a 4,000 seat stadium in Halifax. That makes sense for Belgium. Um, the, the all blacks, um, all blacks, 15 Maori, all blacks, any team that you can put the word all blacks in, um, is, is still capable. It's the biggest brand in the sport. And I think that is capable of selling, um, you know, maybe not, well, not selling out, but selling a good number of tickets to a game, either in Vancouver or in Toronto. And, um, that's the opponent that might be the justification for rugby Canada to go look at, you know, hosting a game in one of those major venues. Um, so I think that'd be cool. Cause I mean, obviously the all blacks brand is massive. Um, I'm, you know, when I saw this announcement, I was really excited. Um, I got one criticism of it though, Stu. One is it the hypocrisy of saying yeah. you want to play yep. Uh, yep. easier victory team? And yeah, you know what? I 100% agree. I yeah. understand where that is coming from of, you know, how can you play teams that you want to collect victories and then play what is essentially the All Blacks second team? Oh, like, yeah, that's, that's, but that's what I mean, though, is like literally like a week ago, Kingsley Jones had the video talking about like, and he was highlighting, it's like, like we've had, you know, some tough matches in the last like 10 or 11 that they've played. Because, and you know, and one of the games he mentions, yeah, is against the All Blacks. The All Blacks, yeah. And it's like, um, but that's what he mentions, right? Because, you know, and to be honest, I think it's fair for him to mention games in 2019 because mm-hmm. as crazy as that is because of COVID, like, yeah, of, of their last 10 games, those yeah. are some of them. Yeah, 2019 is, is still like, I guess, incredibly recent if you want to go to like, your last 10, your last 15, however that works out. Um, But yeah, but at the end of the day, though, like this just like, and and again, I know it's the All Blacks 15, so it's going to be the All Blacks second team, just reeks of a game that you're going to get smashed by 50 again. Um, 50 is probably good. Um, Like, I mean, it's the one thing and it's like, I know it's the second team, but it's like, dude, the Maori All Blacks are like what a week a week removed from beating Ireland. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like it's the like where would where would 
where do you think the Maori All Blacks would rank in the World Rugby World Rankings if they were allowed to actually take part in that sort of thing? Hmm. Are they like are they top ten? They're probably they're top ten. Would they be top yeah. five? Well, you have to remember that if they would compete, they would also have to compete against New Zealand. So I wouldn't say sure. top five. Okay, so but I yeah I can see. Probably top 10, definitely top uh, like, just, 12. They did, like, uh, you, you mentioned that they would have to play New Zealand, which would be fair, but like, they just beat Ireland. What's Ireland ranked right now? Like, fourth. Uh, fourth. Yeah. However, uh, however, I would say the thing with like that game is that Ireland also weren't doing their first 15 as well, because a few days later, they were playing the All Blacks proper. Yeah, and, and so they needed to preserve that. their first fifteen. So it, it's kind of a mixed. Yeah, well, understanding. That, like, where would where's the All Blacks fifteen? Like, where would they be in world rankings? So they're still like ahead of a lot of tier two nations. They're but that's yeah, like ahead I, of every tier two nation. Yeah, and so definitely top ten, probably even top eight. Yeah, like, point, but like New Zealand's just that good, right? So it's like even even if it's the All Blacks fifteen, it, I think it's and again. I love the idea of Canada playing an all blacks team, regardless of what it is, um, because, you know, that's probably the one brand in the sport that you could be like you at this point in time for rugby Canada, that you could probably justify a big stadium like BC yeah. or BMO field. Yeah. Um, maybe a team like Ireland in Toronto might do well. But, well, actually, um, Ireland did play Canada in 2013 yeah. at BMO Field. Yeah, so. that's the third highest game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, like um, that game against Leinster, um, what like seemed, if I recall correctly, it seemed like it had some pretty decent attendance. Um, I don't remember exactly what that attendance was, but it felt really well attended when I was there um, in Hamilton. Yeah. Um, but again, that's the other thing, right? Like Leinster beat Team Canada like a full powered proper preparing for a world cup team Canada. And um, like, yeah. So it, it seems like it goes as much as I love the idea of them playing the all blacks. It does seem like it goes against a lot of what Kingsley Jones was saying in his video last week. Yeah. I think, which, yeah. When it comes down to it as in for in all intents and purposes, he does want to get um, Canada to be playing these games yeah. that against like equally to lower ranked opposition to get the guys a bit more confidence and get yeah. that boost. But obviously the all blacks as a brand is a very profitable brand as well. And when you come to figure that, especially over the last two years where we haven't even had any um, Canadian games in Canada, they've all, so, for example, the game against England that was then at Twickenham, that was originally scheduled to be played in Toronto. Um, we found out after the fact. So, yeah, so that's, and that's the thing. You can say, oh, yeah, we all knew that Canada weren't going to be England, but the idea was that the ticket revenue generated would yeah. you know, help Rugby Canada. And I think that's what they're doing at this yeah, no, I would agree with that. You play play teams like Belgium and Spain, um, yeah. and you know teams that are kind of it, like you know even um, 
like Chile, uh, you know, Chile, Uruguay, teams that are all kind of, you know, even if they've you know, beaten you in that qual are in, you know, on so you know, either have qualified or on the road to qualifying for the World Cup. But it's yeah. like, you know, I would still want to play a team like Uruguay. Um, but like, it's you know, you can play like these, you know, Spain, Belgium, Chile, Port, you know, Portugal, Brazil type teams, um, to like, you know, develop your players and like build the lineup and start kind of you know, growing the team, the skills on the field, um, you know, for the future, right? You play the all blacks to make money. Yeah. Right. Both of them, by the way, are perfectly valid things to do. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't, so it's just, I just think it's funny that Kingsley Jones put out a video that was talking about how great it is to be playing teams on their own, le- like on like their level, as opposed yeah. to like the teams like England, Wales, uh, that they've recently played. Right. And then to not even a week later, the next match that's announced is the All Blacks. Yeah. 15. All Blacks 15. Yeah. But still, like, so that'll be a tough game. Um, but damn, that'll be fun. I hope, uh, I mean, I hope it's in Toronto. That would be cool. Yeah, it would I be hope cool. it is. I hope but it is. But we will see. Obviously, it's still uh, TV. That might be, that might be worth the, the trip, though, no matter where that is in Canada. Exactly. Well, to see the old blacks, absolutely. I've only ever seen a Hawka once. I was at that Maori All Blacks game at BMO. It's the only Hawka I've ever seen live. It's awesome. Well, that's what you can see the uh, All Blacks 15 Hawka when it comes, if it comes to Toronto. Yeah, I guess. Would they do a yeah. different Hawka? I guess they probably yeah. would. Yeah, they would. Yes, they would do a different one, wouldn't they? So we go from national duty back to uh, national roles because now that the MLR season has ended, it is time for award season. And this, uh, we did something like this last year where we gave awards to um, the players that we consider had done the best both um, for the Arrows and for um, other teams across MLR. So what we're going to do now, we're going to break the awards up into two sections. So the first set of awards we're going to do are exclusively for Arrows players. And the second set we're going to do is for the rest of MLR. So those awards will have um, no Arrows players mentioned in them because we're going to do these first four awards will be entirely for the Arrows. Um, the Arrows themselves actually did have some internal awards so we'll just go over those quickly. So the Arrows, they've awarded the Ford of the Year to Isaac Salmon. Uh, for their back of the year, they have um, awarded that to Ross Brody. Now, um, they also have a Club Man of the Year award, and that was awarded to James O'Neill. And finally, they had the Players Player Award, which is the award that is voted on by other players gave it to Foley. And now we're going to do something similar. So we're going to keep forward of the year. We're going to keep back of the year. Um, Club man of the year, unfortunately, that was decided by the coaching staff and we're not coaches. So we're going to replace that with newcomer of the year. So this would be awarded to a player that is playing for the Arrows for the first time um, in the 2022 season. And then... Instead of player's player, uh, we are going with MVP of the year. So let's start with forward of the year. Derek, who is your nominee? Uh, forward of the year, I went with uh, Lucas Rumball. Um, you know, just uh, just another outstanding 
outstanding here from him. Um, you know, as I kind of mentioned earlier, when we talk about Canada, he kind of, he continues to be one of the best players um, for the arrows, the Canadian national team, and just one of the best players um, from Canada period, um, you know, around the world. So, uh, you know, he was top 10 again in tackles this year. He was, you know, led the, the team again in breakdown steals, which he continues to be just an absolute monster at. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, a small like arrows Twitter joke of like, you know, water's wet, sky's blue, grass is green. You know, Lucas Rumble had a breakdown steal or, you know, death tax yeah. Lucas Rumble steals. Um, yeah. And yeah, just another phenomenal year from him, man. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, him being, uh, you know, in that leadership group too is one of the vice captains also kind of boosts it and, you know, yeah. adds it for some intangible things as well. So, okay. So the approach I've taken is that um, because when you have players like Rumble who are, you know, towards the top of the mountain, and if you say, okay, the top of the mountain last year, the top of the mountain this year, it's like, well, they've just yeah. stayed the same. They can't really go. And when you're at the top, you can't really go much further. So this is, also, like looking at guys that have like stepped up, so they've been climbing the mountain, they've been reaching that top step as well. So my choice for forward of the year is Jack McRogers. You know, he's had a very impressive uh, season with the Arrows. You know, he's been uh, picked up by the Canadian national team. You know, um, he may even earn his first cap against Spain this coming weekend. You know, fingers crossed and all that stuff. Um, but you know he's done, but he's been able to do that because of his improvement this year. And you know, obviously, us Arrows fans know how good he is. But now he's proving to, you know, the national team. He's proving to everyone else in MLR just how good he is, how valuable of an asset he is. So that's why I've got my forward of the year as Jack McRogers. Yeah, I think that's a great choice too. Um... You know, yeah, he had an outstanding here. Led the team in tries. You know, that's a yeah, one. yeah. Team stop try score for me. Yeah. All right. So we've done forward of the year. Now let's go on to back of the year. And again, this is so for my choice. I've gone with Mitch Voralek. Yeah. I was and, say, and again, uh, when I saw you type this in, I'm like, I cannot wait for you to explain this one. So again, I'm going along in the same mindset of. You know, you can't just stay at the top of the mountain. I need to see how some guys have like moved up because um, I've seen your pick, and it's the and it's the obvious pick. It's the correct. Say. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, but that's the thing. I th- or maybe so, not because the arrows didn't pick them, so maybe it's not the. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but you know, and you know, Ross Brody, we know he's amazing. Um, uh, Giuseppe Toy. He's been fantastic, you know, taking up uh, captain duties when um, uh, Shepard and Rumble and um, Malcolm weren't available. Um, and, you know, we to be honest, we could go through the revolving door of scrum halves that we've had this year of how they've been able to step up and then sit on the bench for however long it's needed to be. And, you know, we've had some great centres like Weta Tafuga, um, Matthew, Matt Hood has come in and it's been fantastic. But with Mitch Vorilek, I think it's because when he was signed, there was such little fanfare over him, especially when you say, like, oh, yeah, we're bringing Robinson Bartlett, we've got Brock Webster come in, we've got, um, you know, Hood, we've got Tafuga coming, 
and you're like you're dead excited for that. So Mitch Rolak, you're like, oh, you know, he'll be around, he'll be there. But whenever I saw him play, and whenever he was called up for duty, he, you know, he just had a fantastic game. He had like man of the match performances at times, and you know, he obviously could have been playing more games. He could have, you know, he could have had more game time. But from what he's shown this year, it's you know, it's taken me by surprise, I'll be honest. I mean, and I think that's why I've picked him as my back of the year because, you know, I didn't, you know, maybe it's my fault. Maybe I didn't rate him highly when he was uh, originally signed. But as a result, from what I've seen, he's, you know, proven me wrong. He's um, outperformed himself. And that's why, in my opinion, he's the back of the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, like if we're taking back of the year to mean the best back on the team, then I would disagree. But I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain about showing Mitch Voralek some love here. You know, he did have a great season. He uh, his first game, uh, that game against Nola, um, was pretty unreal. Um, you know, or not that I don't think that was not his first game, but that was one of his. Uh, you know, his first start, his first start, I believe, yeah, um, with that game against Nola. So, uh, you know, that was an unreal performance from him. During this year, and uh, yeah, I'm not going to complain about showing Mitchell Orlex some love, but the back of the year is Sam Malcolm, um, and uh, yeah, you just made fun of me for picking some some obvious ones. I mean, Ross Brody from the the Arrows choice for back of the year, obviously, you know, he was phenomenal too um, all year. But I think I think in in a year where the Arrows were decimated by injuries, Malcolm yeah. was one of the few remarkably healthy backs. Um, throughout the course, he like, was so healthy. He actually moved two scrum half in a game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he battled battled through some in, like you know he ba- certainly battled through at certain points in the season. Um, and uh, but like you know, just uh, the ultimate like complete rugby player. Like you know, it's uh, um, you know, he's fourth in the league in points. Um, his kicking accuracy is second to none in MLR. You know, um. You know, his ball distribution's unreal. Um, everything that he does tactically as a fly half works. Um, we've talked about it numerous times, uh, but like, you know, listening to other MLR media and stuff sometimes, I don't think people realize how good uh, defensively Sam Malcolm is. Um, oh, yeah. As Dan Moore said a while ago, right? Just the absolute heart of a lion. Um, and, you know, he shows it, shows it every game on the pitch. So, um, you know, I would, uh, yeah. So Sam Malcolm's my my back of the year, and I mean, I know you're gonna make fun of me for the uh, the obvious choice of Lucas Rumble and Sam Malcolm here, but uh, I I respect your decision to show some love to uh, maybe some some of the little more uh, unsung guys on the team, though. All right, no, that's fine. That's fine. I I, I get it. As in, like yeah. in terms of stats, in terms of I like this. It would be biggest... boring if we both had the same. Yeah, exactly. It's good. It's... Everyone was the same. Yeah. There's, then what's the point in the podcast? Just, yeah. Okay, now, so we come to our award with Newcomer of the Year. So this is, as we said, a player who is playing for the Arrows for the first time in 2022. Derek, talk about your pick. Yeah, so um, I think judging, looking at the name that you have written there, I think, and um, also for looking down the script for the MOR um, part of this as well, I think we're taking a little bit of a different approach to the word Newcomer. Um, I'm treating it more like a rookie. You're treating it more like guys first year here. Um, so I'm going with uh, James O'Neill, 
who was a part of the Ben Lesage trade and, you know, came in and um, I thought played outstanding during uh, the course of his, of his year, um, his first professional year in major league rugby, um, you know, and uh, you know, excellent at the breakdown scored a couple nice tries as well. Um, scored one really nice try that didn't count that should have counted, but we'll let that one slide. Um, we're not, we're not bitter about that still. It's no, nope, nope, it's fine. Um, yeah. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah. I was happy, happy to see him get one later in the year though. Um, yeah. And just, you know, he's, you know, he's a good ball carrier. He's an excellent tackler. Great in the breakdown. Um, you know, just, uh, and I think really excited to see that he, you know, seems to be one of those guys that is adding to the, the, you know, the, the wealth that rugby Canada has, um, you know, at flanker, um, and, you know, uh, he's one of those guys that I would really like to see get a shot at the national team um, someday. Um, right. And uh, like I said, I kind of know it's tough based on the flankers that are um, part, you know, part of the national team, even like currently. But, um, you know, I think I think he had a uh, he had a brilliant year. Unfortunate he had to end it. Um, it ended with a suspension. But um, beyond that, though, I thought, uh, you know, every game that he played, whether it was starting or coming off the bench, um, I thought he was excellent in uh, most of the games that he did play and made an impact. And, you know, I guess uh, him getting that club man of the year award too kind of shows what an asset he is in the locker room. So I'll give uh, I'll give him a couple bonus points for that one, too. So um, James O'Neill. OK, and my pick for newcomer of the year um, is another forward. And, um, you know, I had uh, definitely had an impact off the bench multiple times, um, you know, able to get a few tries under his belt as well. I think he got, what was it, three tries in two games, um, oh, yeah. which isn't bad for a prop. And yes, so I'm saying newcomer as in new to the Arrows in this case, um, but, you know, has some game experience. Fair enough. And so my pick is Lalani Faleva. And, you know, you know, just great to see him make breaks in games and just like blitz away and, you know, get the, the crowd was just cheering him on. And that was just fantastic to watch because who doesn't love a front row player um, making a break and getting through? So, yes. And, you know, proved himself a valuable asset to the team. So that's uh, my choice for newcomer of the year. And finally, uh, for the Arrows Awards, we have MVP of the year. Now, so I've used the analogy of, you know, climbing the mountain and being like low on the mountain to like top of the mountain. But this guy is so high up the mountain, not only is he on the peak, he's planted his flag. He's made his case. He is, there is no question, there is no deviation and because i've already seen your entry i know you agree with me on this yeah but that man top of the mountain is ronan foley i was gonna say apparently the rest of the arrows players also agree with this one too so yeah. um I, I mean what what could we say that could possibly like detract yeah he's just had a phenomenal season even I feel like yeah no i feel like every time we looked because the arrows put out their match reports after and yeah. I feel like every time it's like they have the little stat leader thing. And I feel like every game was just like carries fully tackles fully, um, you know, meters fully, you know, if he didn't, if he wasn't one of the leaders in the categories, he scored a try. Um, yeah. Just a phenomenal year. He seemed like, um, 
it seemed like everything that he could possibly do on the pitch this year went well. Um, yeah. You know, and it, it was just, um, you know, he, ha- he had an, just an absolutely unreal and excellent year. And, you know, some of the tries he scored were great. Some of them were hilarious too. Like that one uh, against DC off the restart, we just kind of ran for yeah. ball somehow. Um, that one was, that was a wild try. Um, yeah, just, just a phenomenal, phenomenal year from him, man. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think, uh, yeah, there's, I think it's, uh, as indicated by our unanimous choice and also, um, apparently with the uh, players on the arrows themselves thought it's, uh, seems like the, uh, the unanimous, um, decision for uh, Ronan Foley to be, uh, the Toronto arrows MVP this year. Okay. So those are the arrows awards. And now we're going to do rest of them MLR aka everyone but the arrows awards so we're because gonna the arrows would obviously win all of the yeah of, of course that's yeah, this, it's win. only fair this is Ronan, why we're doing it we're mixing Ronan it Foley was the MVP of Major League Rugby this year as well yeah, but uh, it would be boring if we did that so yeah so th- now for these awards we're mixing it up a little bit so we still have forward of the year back of the year newcomer MVP but we're also having three new awards. So we've got Canadian of the East. So this is the best Canadian that we feel um, in the Eastern Conference. Canadian of the West, same thing, but for the Western Conference. And also Team of the Year as well. So quickly, let's go through this. Okay, Forward of the Year. Derek, who's your pick? Um, I'm not going to lie. I picked this to maximize the amount of Canadians that I could put on my award list. Um, so I went with Josh Larson from the new England free Jacks, you know, um, among the league leaders and tackles, just a general nuisance to any team that happened to venture to, uh, um, new England during, uh, during this season. Um, excellent at the breakdown line. Like he does everything properly, exactly how you would want it done. Um, super physical player, um, was one of the best tacklers on the best tackling team in the league, you know, and, just uh, absolutely all around phenomenal year for him, um, and um, yeah, you know, not not a whole not a whole lot else to say. I mean, you know, plus uh, you know, like I like those little bonus intangible things too. And he's the the captain of the uh, the best team throughout the regular season, anyways, as well. So that's a little nice bonus for him. Uh, my pick is uh, the butcher from New York, Dylan Fawcett. You know. Um, Another consistently great season, adding to his uh, try total. of. So I think he's still like the highest try scorer for uh, not only uh, Rugby New York, but for MLR as a whole. And, you know, obviously um, New York's uh, home record this year hasn't been that great, but, you know, the consistency, the ferocity that he puts in, yeah, it's remarkable, and that's why he's my forward of the year. Now, back of the year. Um, i got to go with Lepetti on this one. I think he's had a phenomenal year, um, like an absolute danger to every team that he's uh, played against. And, yeah, it's just something – and I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, hopefully, seeing Lepetti again next year as well. I mean – you know, as a neutral, great to watch. A phenomenal player, great addition. Yeah, so the pay is my choice. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll circle back to that one in a moment. 
Um, my back of the year, I went with Billy Meeks, um, which I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do. Are we allowed to show love to LA and Austin right now? Yeah, we can. Yeah, was, uh, I'm going with Billy Meeks. I mean, uh, league leader carries, league leader meters, um, f- just absolute monster, um, you know, on both sides of the ball for LA. That combination that LA had in the centers with Meeks and Lesage is just, you know, regardless of what side of the ball you were on, it's deadly. Um, I, uh, yeah, like Meeks, you know, he's one of those players that can run through you, but also if you try to run at him, man, like yeah. that tackle's being put on, it's put on hard. And uh, he might even contest that breakdown and get a turnover for you too. Um, so just, uh, you know, honestly, I was kind of debating like, uh, like you know, him, Lesage are kind of in the, to me, are kind of in that kind of similar ballpark. But I guess, um, you know, as the, the year kind of went on, I guess Meeks had a, some better stats to kind of push him over the edge too. And there's a couple other like phenomenal backs uh, during this year. Um, as far as your pick though, of uh, Bapetti, that's who I actually went with, with my, uh, newcomer of the year slash um the one i treat as the rookie of the year so he was the uh the third overall pick went to seattle and uh you know got a cap with the usa even before playing an mlr game and then through in the course of the mlr just kind of proved why he earned that cap and he started against the french barbarians this past weekend as well um as you kind of mentioned man just just a phenomenal center what a treat to watch this year and you know from um you know, as uh, the league is kind of growing and um, we're kind of, you know, starting to see what these draft picks are going to be capable of doing um, in their op- first seasons of MLR. I think uh, Lopetti just kind of set the bar for, uh, mm. you know, what uh, what the uh, future draft classes are going to have to live up to now. So um, that is that is my pick. So I'll circle that back to that one. Um yeah, man. If you want to take him as back of the year, though, I mean, all the power to you because he, he he was killer this year. Yeah. So again, I've gone for newcomer of the years and newcomer to MLR. So um, for that reason, I've picked uh, Jason Emery. You know, another great addition for New York. Um, even during the uh, postseason and the championship series, um, took up uh, kicking duties, which you know I didn't see coming at the time, but obviously. Um, very accurate with the boot. So, you know, had that weapon in his arsenal as well that he just kept quiet until um, when it absolutely mattered for New York. So well done to him. Um, And yeah, and, you know, we know we made the joke of the, you know, New Jersey All Blacks, but uh, Emery was, um, you know, definitely one of the players that, um, help make uh, Rugby New York the MLR champions this year. And, you know, it's great to see him. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah, I obviously don't know if he'll be back again next year at this point. Uh, I would like I would like to see him. I, again, I wouldn't want to, the arrows to go up against him on the field. Want, but, as an Arrows fan, I don't want to see him next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, but, well, that's just me, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now we go on to Canadian of the East. So the best Canadian in the Eastern Conference that doesn't play for the Toronto Arrows. Now, uh, my choice, you've already mentioned as the forward of the year. And also because I wanted to be a bit different from your pick, but um, I've got to say Josh Larson. Um, you know, the Free Jacks have been the team to beat during the regular season. And, you know, their leadership, uh, I know they have like a leadership group, but Josh Larson has been captain 
for the Free Jacks um, for the last, uh, I'd say this year and last year, even though he's not officially rubber stamped as the captain this year. Um, you know, excellent work. You know, you've already listed all of his uh, accomplishments this year, so I'll just be repeating the same thing. And yeah, I just have to, um, I, so he's my pick for Canadian in the East. So Derek, let the people yeah. know your choice. Well, well, you know, I completely agree with you. Josh Larson, um, you know, and the Frey Jacks completely dominated the regular season. But when it came to the playoffs, um, Rugby New York and Andrew Coe, um, what a performance from Coe in that game, um, you know, getting that man, man of the match performance, um, which he was, you know, outstanding in. Um, and, you know, just throughout the entire year, I think Andrew Coe um, has proven to be one of, if not the best winger in Major League Rugby this season. Um, you know, he played on a team with guys. It's crazy because it's like he played on a team with Ed Fidel, Wasaki Nahalo, Nene Milner, Scudder, all in the back three, all competing for his position as well. And he still managed to stand out, um, including getting a man of the match performance in a playoff game with all of them in the lineup as well. Right. So um, he was, I think he was phenomenal all year, um, you know, and uh, definitely enjoyed playing out, playing uh, on the wings in New York as he, you know, him fit out, obviously, you know, we're kind of setting the benchmark for the tr- amount of uh, tries being scored across the league. So um, I think Cole was, you know, just um, outstanding for the, the, uh, the duration of this entire season, um, you know, as just every line break that he made um, was class. Every offload he made was class. Um, and, you know, just, again, you know, had scored some really big tries, made some really big plays in the playoffs. Uh, and those are, the, you know, the uh, the games that matter the most. And, you know, he's, uh, he's a massive reason why uh, Rugby New York um, got to hoist the shield above their heads at the end of the year. And, um, you know, just uh, looking forward to seeing him in a Canada jersey soon because uh, – Definitely, uh, definitely need that flair back in the Canadian lineup. All right. As we move on to Canadian of the West. Easiest category we have. Absolutely have. And Derek, would you like to take it away this time? Yeah, it's Michael Smith, um, San Diego Legion. And yeah, he he got the uh, the um, Legion MVP award from uh, their individual team awards. And uh, just absolutely phenomenal here. Um, among the league leaders and tackles, and, you know, just his work rate is just absolutely off the charts. Um, he's, uh, you know, good with ball in hand as well. And, you know, just I don't know what, what more we can say about him, man. We got like how many weeks was the season? 19, I guess, uh, 20 weeks. We have 20 weeks of podcast gushing about how good Michael Smith played on the weekend. Um, so, you know, in order to save some time here, you can perhaps go back and listen to all of those Um just you know, fen- just a phenomenal player. He's uh he's one of those guys that really makes me super excited about the uh, the future of Canadian rugby right now. Um, seeing how well he played and then uh, he follows up the season too. I mean, just what a performance against Belgium from him as well. You know, scoring that try and just being an absolute monster for eighty minutes. So um, Michael Smith definitely uh, definitely elevated his game a lot this year and. You know, no disrespect to any of the other Canadian players in the uh, Western Conference, but uh, this this was an easy choice, man. And we now move on to MVP of the year. And again, this has been a unanimous decision by both of us. Yeah. Um, but Bowden Walker, who 
uh, it's been announced will not be with the Free Jacks next year, and that is a disappointment. I was just saying, as an Eros fan, from, from a neutral, from a neutral, from a oh, from a neutral perspective, from a neutral yeah, perspective, that's kind of because that's the thing. If it, again, if this included the arrows, then we would be more biased. But I was just saying, you know what, as an Eros fan, he should be traded to the Western Conference. <laughs> enjoy him out there. Can enjoy him out there. That's my ideal for him. Well, either way, you don't have to worry because Bowden Walker will be playing in Japan next season. Um, but, you know, Bowden Walker's uh, style of play, you know, led to tries, led to penalties, led to conversions. And his absence is particularly noted. For example, um, when the Arrows beat New England in the regular season, being the only non-playoff team to do so, um, Walker wasn't playing in that game. And the attack style from New England was significantly hindered by his absence. So, you know, I'm sure New England are already uh, scouting out the uh, replacement for Walker. But, you know, and it, w- it was good to see him score tries against teams that you needed to lose yeah, for the Arrows to do well. So, good. you know, you know, scoring tries against New York, against Atlanta, again and again. Again, and you know, it's yeah. lining up the tea, and just ah, you yeah. know, it's it, it's gonna like I said, from a neutral perspective, it's gonna be uh, disappointing yeah. not to see uh, Bowden Walker in MLR next year. Um, but his impact has been so significant; it can't be anyone else yeah. for Bowden Walker this yeah, year. It's, uh, one of the absolute most electric seasons any player has ever had in this league. So yeah. Um, Full, full, fully deserved in my in my opinion and yeah. you know jokes aside yeah sad, sad to see him go I, I could stand to watch a few more years pulled in walk up but um best of luck in japan i guess yeah and finally we ran off with team of the year and so derek do you want to go with the what most people say would be the correct choice for this category yeah. Uh, yeah you know what i went with this because i mean as, as fun as it is to do these awards there's only one team of the year award that matters and that is the shield um so you're the champ you are the team of the year so congrats to rugby new york okay so i, I need to explain that one more no i know that's pretty uh self-explanatory but for me i've gone with a different team so we know that the playoff situation in the west has been uh, with an asterisk over it this year because of the disqualifications of the Guild teams. But despite all that, there was one team that was able to make the playoffs on their own merit before any of these disqualifications happened. And this was a team that last year finished 12th out of the 12 teams available. And this season before had finished in like the bottom half and as every year since their inception has been, you know, one of the scragglers, one of the low teams, one of the teams where, you know, Oh, we can play them. We'll guarantee a victory. But last se- the last year's off season, new director of rugby, new head coach, nicknamed the Sabre box, but you can't argue with results. They and the first game of the season, being 13th last year, beating the uh, the defending champions, 
Um, so, um, team of the year, you can say it's a team that won mm-hmm. the Shield. But in my opinion, it should also be the team that has improved the most. And no team has improved more than the Houston Sabercats. So they are my team of the year. You should have a separate award for most improved team of the year. Uh, if, if we're going to do this, we're just going to give like awards to everyone. And then awards to just... everything, yeah. yeah. You just yeah. Oh. Should... oh, Canadian of San Diego, Canadian yeah. of uh, Los <laughs> Angeles. Can... La Rouge rugby participation ribbons yeah. to every player in the league. Uh, we're, we're becoming every boomer's nightmare as we <laughs> continue. Right. Well, good news, ladies and gentlemen, because we have international rugby coming up this weekend. And Canada will host Spain at TD Place in Ottawa. And if you are not in Ottawa and you can't make the game, good news. It was announced today that this fixture will be on TSN1, TSN.ca, and the TSN app, going live at 4 p.m. Eastern Time this Sunday. And we got that on social media. We got that um, from finding out through our social media channels. In fact, you can find us across all social media channels, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We are at La Rouge Rugby. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can listen to more on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and Spotify. And if you'd like to see some videos of our podcast, including some other clips, including interviews of players, you can find them on our YouTube channel, again, at La Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can the people find you? I'm at Brissette the Jet across all social media platforms. And you can find me across all social media platforms at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me again as we discuss real Canadian rugby. And thank you all for joining us for the Rouge Rugby Podcast. We hope you can join us again next time.